What's up, everyone? My name is Cody Smith, and this is the Create Yourself Podcast. This is your source for evidence-based fitness information, nutrition, mindset, or just weekly inspiration. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for spending some time with me today and taking information from me that you can apply in your life to achieve the results you are wanting. This podcast was made with the vision to provide free information to listeners who want to expand in their mind, progress in their life, and change their body for the better. This podcast is called Create Yourself Podcast for a reason. That reason is that I truly believe that anyone at any time can create themselves. Now let's get into today's episode and let's grow together. All right, you guys, welcome back to the show today. Today, it was an honor to interview none other than Jay Tita. Jay Tita is the leading physician and researcher inside of the metabolism. And this was a great conversation because, um, I mean, you maybe even be listening to this show and could currently be under eating or think maybe that your metabolism is too slow. And um, in this episode, Jay just dropped so much knowledge bombs on um, why that just isn't the case. And then more importantly, ways to remedy that if you do happen to think you are. Uh, but we go a little bit deeper than that. We jump a little bit into mindset and the mental game behind being successful in your nutrition. And if you hang on to the very end of the show, uh, Jade just dropped some knowledge bombs with a quote to live by and then a mindset that you can take forward in your own life. Now, do me a favor before we jump into this show today. I want you to go ahead and tag. Well, first, you're going to take a screenshot on your phone and then you're going to post on your Instagram story and you're going to tag both Jade and I in it. He is at Jade Tata. And then I am at the CF7C coach on Instagram. You're going to take that screenshot, post on your story, tag us. The big thing with that and the reason why we ask people to do that is because it's important for me and and probably for him too, the the people that produce this information and produce this content and take the time to give this information out to people so that they can change their life. um, It's important that we know who's reaching it or who's getting reached by it and then who's getting impacted by it. Because at the end of the day, that's really the lifeblood. I mean, for me, this podcast doesn't do monetarily. This podcast is not something that I do. I don't do it for money, right? I do it because uh, I remember my story coming up and how uh, powerful, you know, free information was for me and making my transformation. Uh, matter of fact, the last episode that I did was essentially a pilot of uh, my journey and how I made my way into it. Now, um, once you take that screenshot and you post it and we know who we're impacting, um, just going to mean a lot to us. So I'm going to thank you in advance for that. Now, without any further ado, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get Jade on here and we'll talk to you next episode. All right, Jade on the uh, Create Yourself podcast. Uh, We've been trying to connect for the past couple months here. Like we talked a little bit before we started recording and it's uh, an absolute honor to have you on the show. Glad we could tie this thing down and uh, get some information out there. Uh, It's great to be here, Cody. Thanks for having me, my friend. Awesome. Um, Man, so I, of course, I've, like I was saying before, I've consumed enough content to know very well who you are, what you're about, what you speak for. But uh, in a nutshell, man, let us know who you are and uh, uh, give us a little feedback or give us a little background on, on, on you know, what you're doing now. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I always like this part of these discussions because I do think, you know, we all have a sort of a unique path that we travel and it kind of informs uh, how we, you know, do our work. And actually, so... I'll start with the end. Currently, my work is really around um, helping people find the sort of diet that works for them. But uh, it's one of these things, right? When we think about diet as we go on our evolution 
and we think about nutrition, we realize that there's so many other aspects that feed into that. Like, you know, our relationships with people feed into that. They can impact, you know, uh, our willpower and what we eat and what we crave because those sort of social influences are important. As a matter of fact, they say we are very much like the top five people we spend our most time with. So we'll be as lean or overweight as those people. Likewise, if you're stressed about things like finances and stuff like that, that can negatively impact health and fitness. And so this really brought me to sort of expand my sort of teachings, which now I say what I mainly do is I teach the four jobs of every human, which is health and fitness. That's the big thing. Finances, obviously, I've had some success in, uh, you know, sort of the internet business, personal relationships and purpose and meaning, which I think is, uh, you know, sort of the biggest thing. It's the whole reason why we want to look good, feel good and function better anyway. And all of that kind of started early on with first getting exposed to health and fitness through football, kind of wanting to increase my performance by, you know, paying close attention to what I was eating. That brought me into biochemistry in undergrad. And then I reached this sort of fork in the road in my early 20s where I was like, I was headed off to medical school, the traditional route, or I was going to do something more unconventional. And I realized in that moment that the traditional uh, medical degree did not teach nutrition or exercise. So you can imagine, Cody, for me, being someone who was steeped in that, I'd already been personal training at that time. That was kind of an agonizing decision. And at that time, natural medicine, alternative medicine, complementary medicine was not something that anyone looked fondly upon. Um, but I also have been one of these people that my whole life that is not afraid to blaze my own trail. And so I had ended up going in that uh, direction and it ended up making a huge difference. I think it's kind of what informs me now and why I do what I do. I ended up writing several books, one of them a bestseller and um, selling programs all over the world and doing this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm really happy with sort of the decision I made. And I guess for the listeners, just to sum all that up, when you listen to me, you're essentially getting somebody who is, um, you know, kind of a mix between a nutritionist and alternative, you know, sort of uh, functional medicine doctor. In other words, I use lifestyle medicine before drugs, although I do have a license to practice medicine in both Washington State and California. But you're also kind of getting a little bit of a meathead. You know, I'm, I am definitely a guy who is in the gym, training hard. I'm 45 now, which it gets much harder. But um, and I'm a little bit I'm, I'm also a little bit of a, of a philosopher. Right. So a lot of my friends started calling me the meathead philosopher because I tend to really tie in a lot of my metabolism work with sort of um, purpose and meaning and deep thought in that regard. But that's kind of what you'll you'll kind of get from me. And I was telling Cody before we started the conversation that, you know, we can go in any direction that you want, man. I mean, obviously I tackle, I tackle muscle, I tackle mindset and I tackle metabolism and I love all of those things. And I write in and lecture and teach in all of those areas. I love it, man. You know, it's crazy to me. And, and, and you know, you said something in a podcast that I was listening to the other day and uh, you and actually Cody McBroom were talking about it and you were saying like, uh, how much of the coaching goes into the aspect of all the nutritional stuff. Right. Um, yep. and you, you said before, like, you know, more mental than nutritional is what you found. And it's crazy because, you know, how often do people come along and they're like, Oh yeah, just give me some macros. And then for me, I'm like, you know, I can't really do that for you because I know that the, the magic is in all the changes and all the coaching through it, because there's going to be those times where like mentally you're going to struggle with some things. 
And it's, uh, it's super important just to have somebody outside of you to give you some perspective in that, just to coach you mentally into the right direction. Uh, yeah, and then another you know, thing, go, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, man, like I, I view this in, in sort of like, you know, in, in personal growth, we kind of have like the childish, the child aspect of things, right? Where we're, the world revolves around us. And then we get into the adolescent phase and we start to, you know, want to go after status and let people see us. And then eventually, hopefully we mature. But I think we go through that same process in nutrition, sort of the childish way of looking at it or one level 1.0 thinking is, hey, Cody, hey, Jade, give me a, a food list, some macros, you know, and some recipes, and I'll just follow that and I should get results. And someone like Cody and myself are going to be like, yeah, we can do that, but you're not going to necessarily get results. And even if you do, it's uh, going to not last, you know, so you then graduate past that and you go, okay, well, then it's about sort of finding a different approach that works that I like, like, you know, maybe low carb or maybe low fat or maybe vegetarian or maybe, maybe paleo or something like that. So we go to this sort of team mindset in nutrition. And eventually you find that that actually doesn't work either, that it's too limited. And then you get to sort of level 3.0, which is where I think most people, and I think you are, Cody, need to get to, which has to do with spending the time uh, finding uh, what works for you, which means, yes, using macros at times, which means using different, you know, kind of uh, protocol-driven approaches at times, but slowly building the approach that works perfectly for you. And so there is a growing up phase, I think, in nutrition. And so I'm always interested to see where people are. Are they level 1.0, where they think it's just calories and macros? Are they level 2.0, where they're starting to understand that, you know, the quality of food can make a difference? Or are they level 3.0, which, where they're merging calories and quantity and quality, and more importantly, sort of understanding the individuality of all this. And I do think that if you're listening to this, there's nothing wrong with any of these approaches, by the way. I'd be interested in what Cody says about this. But I think that, you know, as you move forward, as we all move forward, it's, it's just simply maturing and understanding. And sometimes you have to go through level 1.0 and 2.0 to eventually get it. And so it, it's not something that I say or try to be self-righteous about. It's just something to recognize within yourself because it does uh, kind of change the conversation that we might have, Cody and I might have, and you might actually receive. Some people will listen to this talk, Cody, and be like, I don't know what those guys are talking about. But if they're on the <laughs> level we are, they're like, oh my God, this is totally it because there's just that sort of maturation process. Everyone knows what this is like, by the way, if you've ever read a book in your 20s and you were just like, I don't know what, for me, that was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I read that book in my early 20s and I was kind of like, I don't get it. I don't really get, get it. And then I read it again in my 30s. And I was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. But then I read it again, late 30s, you know, early 40s. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is so profound. That's kind of the process that I, I think people go through, if that makes sense. Yeah, the, the level tier system is pretty cool that you put it like that. In my head, I always think of it as like, get it, got it a little bit more, got it and still growing, right? So like people come along and you're right, they're like the newborn baby deer. You're just teaching them the basics and trying to get them through it. And then you move into the second tier. We're like, all right, now you're kind of getting it. Let's take it to the next level. And then at that third, like, you know, uh, I got it, but I'm still growing. They're in this thing where like, they're in the groove. They know why you're doing, they know what you're doing. They understand why you would do certain changes and certain manipulations and understand that like, you know, we can't always be in certain phases. We got to kind of move around a little bit. And uh, people always ask me like, you know, 
Cody, what's your, what's your diet that you use? What's your style? And I always joke and I was like, I'm like Bruce Lee and they laugh and you know, it's a cool little, like, you know, a little relationship builder, but I'm like, you know, realistically, like I want to get to know you first. I want to know what your tendencies are. Um, and then I don't want to change what you do. I want to enhance what you do. And then like not really adhering to a style, but adhering to a style that's going to benefit you the best uh, while educating you so that you'll stay on board with it in the first place. Yeah, I love the, I love the Bruce Lee thing. I use I use the quote all the time. Uh, one quote of his that's my favorite, which is absorb what is useful, discard what is not, add what is uniquely your own. And that, of course, he was talking about, you know, Jeet Kune Do and martial arts. But mm -hmm. it's a metaphor also for life. And I think a primary rule that I follow when it comes to nutrition and metabolism. So it's, it's pretty profound. You and I both vibe on him. He was an incredible teacher. And I think any, any teacher who's evolved, anyone who's evolved to any level will sort of understand that that is the principle. That's a principle for life, which is why I like that, that whole idea. It's always the best teachers that are kind of on the fringes of like, you know, like I'm not really in with the crowd, but I'm not too far away from the crowd. I'm kind of over here doing my own thing, but I'm vibing with both, like, you know, like a little bit of everything. I always find that those types of people, those types of teachers, um, me personally, that's who I tend to flock to and tend to uh, vibe with and learn from the most. Yeah, same. I think the idea is it can be pretty confusing. On air. And I think people, um, especially when they're in level 1.0 or level 2.0 thinking, that really can bother them. And rightly so, because we're all human. And as humans, we like structure and we want some stability and we want some answers. So I think there's two things as you're beginning to listen to Cody and I talk. The first thing is to realize that just accept the fact that there is no way to have a rigid structure in metabolism. It's too adaptable, it's too changeable. However, we can have um, flexible structures. In other words, we can give you, guys like Cody and myself can give you a box. We can say, let's start you in this box. But if we're really doing our job, we, we essentially go, but your box may change, right? It may become a different shape, a different size. It may, you know, um, have all kinds of different elements added to it. And that's our job. And so if you're confused by this, just think of it like this, take any approach, any approach at all. It could be one Cody introduced you to, it could be one I've introduced you to, or it could be one you just picked off some book, right? Let's say it's the, the paleo approach, the paleo diet, or maybe the vegetarian approach. Fine, you start with that. And then once you begin that process, the idea is not to get rigidly biased and get obsessed about are you doing it right or doing it wrong. It's to follow it and then pay attention to how your metabolism is responding. Your metabolism is going to speak to you. It's going to say things like I have high energy or low energy. I have less hunger or more hunger with this particular meal or during this particular day. My cravings are off the chart or under control my exercise performance, my motivation. All of these things are sort of what I call hormonal biofeedback sensations that tell you how that approach is working for you. Now, no approach rarely is an approach going to work off the shelf for everyone to the same degree. And so from there, what you do is you start to go, well, maybe I'll add a little bit of more protein here, or maybe I'm not really hungry in the morning, so I'll, maybe I'll skip breakfast. But then maybe you find out skipping breakfast makes you overeat to such a degree at lunch and dinner that it backfires on you. And all of a sudden you begin to 
put to these pieces together. Maybe you start out with six small meals like, you know, the old bodybuilders did back in the 70s and 80s. But maybe you end up with an approach after this sort of trial and error process where you're doing three squares a day with a very, very tiny dinner and, you know, um, a, you know, big sort of protein shake post-workout. And that's what you find works for you for a time that will work for you. But then you have to understand that this process you just used to find what works for you now will be useful later because rest assured your metabolism is going to change and that thing that is working for you now will not work for you later. And if you use this approach, you are going to never feel stuck. And by the way, as an aside, this is the way your metabolism works anyway. It likes to do this. So I know it's a different approach and I know that we require as humans structure and stability, but you can have both. You can have a structure and then follow it loosely, adjusting as you go forward based on how your body's responding, both in terms of biofeedback sensations and body composition results. And to me, this is the way it works. This is the way it has always worked. It's a diet built for you, by you. And that's the only type of approach that will ever deliver long-term sustainable results. Man, I love it. Well said. I couldn't agree one. I mean, I agree 100%. Um, so I, I got to know, like, you know, really, as far as what I've researched, or maybe you're just so omnipresent that you, you block out the sun with your information. But um, what drew you into to really, uh, obviously, you specialize in a bunch of things. But I know you very well as being the metabolism guy being the mm -hmm. one that like, is speaking about things like on the fringes, like we talked about, how did yeah. you get into being so um, engulfed by learning about the metabolism? Yeah, you know, it started with this. I love this question, by the way, man. I, I'd be interested for you to answer it too, just because I like to hear how other people's journeys have gone. But you know what it is, man? It's literally like this. Anyone who does this work, I, always, I oftentimes tell people this who aren't in the field and they kind of laugh at it, but this is the truth. If you want to be humbled, if you want to feel absolutely inept in every way, go into the weight loss industry. Because almost all of your, almost all of your cases will be failures. They, are, they will be failures. And the research bears this out. 95% of people regain the weight. 66% end up fatter. And for me, I went, there's, there's two ways you can go with this information. One way is to go, you know what? It's just that people aren't being compliant. They're not compliant. They're lazy. They're gluttons, et cetera. Now, of course, there's some people that's the case, Right. But then the other thing is to say something is wrong with the model, right? Something is wrong with the model. It's either wrong completely or it's simply incomplete. Now, I'm a science guy, so I knew it wasn't wrong completely, but I also knew it was probably incomplete. And instead of assuming that it was the client who was not being, uh, you know, was eating too much and exercising too little, et cetera, I started to consider what if the model of metabolism is wrong. And once you dig into the research, instead of looking at, and by research, I don't mean Googling your terms in Google or reading a book that you're interested in. I mean actually going into the unbiased research and looking and seeing on PubMed and reading these articles and reading about things like metabolic adaptation and reading things about and understanding the physiology of the starvation response and understanding how cortisol and stress hormones can trigger hunger and cravings and, and understanding how exercise, uh, over exercising can constrain the metabolism, putting, putting like a metabolic governor 
on your metabolism. Once you start understanding that, you go, oh my God, the metabolism is very smart. It's essentially uh, resisting me and my clients at every place. And so if that's the case, then why is it doing that? And then you, you learn, oh, well, it's doing that because it evolved, it makes sense under a feast and famine reality. And then you go, well, then how can I use the realities of the metabolism and create a better system, one that is more complete, one that's not just treating the metabolism like a calculator or even a chemistry set, but actually treats the metabolism more like it actually is. And then what happens from there, Cody, as you know, you get much better results. You still fail most of the time, but yeah. instead of having a 30% fail rate, now you're having you know, a 45% fail rate or a 50% fail rate. And that's why I got into this, because I just was kind of fed up with the idea that um, I'm, I'm one of these people who's very conscientious. I go, I'm going to take responsibility. If I mess up, I'm going to take responsibility. If I, you pay me to help you get the weight off, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm not going to blame it on you. I'm going to say, if you can't be compliant, then it's my fault as the coach. That's how I have always been. And therefore, I have to figure out how to make it easier for you. And therefore, I spent years and years and years uncovering um, you know, what I think I know about metabolism, which, by the way, is not much at all, because we know very little about metabolism in general. And I know very little about metabolism in terms of the, the complete amount we actually know. So it's a lot of just realizing there's a huge art to this. And so for me, it's really just about really being honest with what I know, what I don't know, going out and getting the information where it exists, and then making good educated guesses along the way. And I'll tell you, Cody, one of the things that, that is I learned about myself, I was a pretty arrogant some people would say I am now too, by the way, but I was a pretty arrogant and ignorant 20 year old kid. I thought I knew everything. And what I realized in my late twenties is that my bias and my dogma around what I thought I knew was actually the greatest impediment to grow. And I basically um, have largely rooted out that behavior. I'm human. So it's still there to some degree, but I've largely rooted out that behavior. And having done that, allows me to not be afraid of information that contradicts what I think I believe. In fact, I love leveling up my level of knowledge um, by learning from people like you and others uh, and reading research. And I'm like, why is that the case? That's always when I made the biggest jumps in my knowledge. And I think we all need to kind of go through that same thing. I honestly believe the degree to which you are biased and dogmatic about what you think is right in nutrition is probably the degree to which you are stuck in my opinion for most people. I 100% agree. I always talk about this uh, with all my clients and especially my coaches. I, I run to a martial arts gym and then a, a fitness gym out here in Washington. And something I always share with them is like, um, we always have to stay dumb and we always have to have this white belt mentality because you're right. Once you feel like you, you know, there, there was a period of time, you know, I'm 33. It's not like, um, <laughs> I'm not up there in age quite yet. I'm getting there. But um, something that I always have to remind myself is like, you know, in my early 20s and I got into the fitness industry, there were a period of time where I was like, this is the method. This is what you do. This is how you handle it. This is how you conduct everything. And then the more I realized like, oh, wow, I'm actually not progressing as a coach. I'm not progressing in helping my clients. And then just realizing that like being on this steady chase of information. And then like you said, like information does change. New, new studies come out that you know, disprove other things or show another perspective. And uh, I, I love your views on like 
how you're just staying open-minded and even somebody who is very knowledgeable in, uh, in my opinion, what can be very complicated with the metabolism. Um, uh, I like that you're able to take this information and break it down for uh, uh, those of us who aren't as savvy research readers. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell everyone, I'll, I'll tell you all a funny story that I think will kind of drive this conversation home. So I, I don't tell many people this, but when I was in my mid-20s, I became a vegetarian and I was a pretty militant vegetarian. Like I said, I was kind of ignorant and biased and dogmatic. And I always say that bias and dogmas are the parents of ignorance and arrogance. So in other words, if you are really biased and dogmatic, you're going to automatically be ignorant and arrogant. But what happened was I used to get in these debates, and this is right when I was finishing up my biochemistry um, degree and going into a medical school at Bastyr University, actually in Seattle. And so I would getting these arguments with individuals and I started researching. So maybe you guys, I'm kind of embarrassed telling the story, but maybe, <laughs> maybe some of you can relate to this. I started researching heavily all about like meat based diets and vegetarian based diets. And ultimately I was doing that because I wanted to win the argument. Right. But something kind of weird happened in that. It's like, as soon as you go and look at the other side of things, you find that there's a huge, overwhelming oftentimes amount of information that disagrees with what, with what you think you know. And all of a sudden, I was confronted as this militant vegetarian <laughs> with these sort of ideas that, okay, I had this idea, and, and this is the Socratic method, right? It's kind of like if you want to know why Socrates is someone we still talk about today is that he was the first to kind of say, you better question your beliefs. So if you think you believe something, go look for, you know, evidence of something that contradicts it so for me i was like okay well i think that vegetarians are the healthiest people on the planet so can i find any evidence of meat eaters who are also healthy and lo and behold i found studies and individuals who ate meat who were healthy and even healthier maybe than some vegetarians then i went okay let me amend that statement then maybe that's not completely accurate maybe most vegetarians are healthier than most meat eaters once again, you go and look at that data and you find that's not the case. And eventually, if you chase this tail long enough, what you find is you go, wow, okay, there are many different types of diets. There are many different types of humans. Certain diets work better for certain humans. That is based on our individual metabolism, our psychology, and even our personal preferences. And so you arrive at a very wise place of there are lots of things that work. Find what works for you. And then that changes the discussion into instead of worrying about the right foods and seeing food as good or bad and seeing exercise as good or bad, it's literally what will work, what is good or bad for this person, what do they like doing, how does stress impact them. And all of a sudden we're having an entirely different conversation simply because I went to try to prove these other people wrong. Usually when you do that, you end up proving yourself wrong. And you do that enough times, all of a sudden you get to the point where you're like, I'm not interested in winning anymore. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I don't need to be. I just want to be the person who understands how it really works so I can get results for my clients. And that's ultimately where um, I think we all have to arrive to, if that makes sense. Yeah, your story reminded me. So I was a government contractor uh, years back, and uh, I was also an aspiring CrossFit competitor who had just learned about, you know, paleo for the first time. And, uh, you know, I'm on night shift one night and I'm arguing with a coworker who's, you know, and it's kind of progressive thinking now because now, now everybody knows about macros. But back then, this, this guy was doing uh, macros and tracking calories and he was just getting shredded and I was getting pretty lean and I was doing paleo. 
and I'm out reading my paleo book and I come in off break and we're getting into these arguments about like, you know, he's saying things like, you know, paleo doesn't work for everybody. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, this book says it does. It's the only way and we're, you know, we, we got to a point where for a few days we wouldn't talk and we were just arguing about which nutrition <laughs> was better. And it's, it's funny that you got a similar story because I, I wish I could go back and find this guy. I don't know how to reach him anymore, but and tell him like, you know what, you were kind of right. And I was kind of wrong. And I'm really sorry about that. Uh, it's so funny. You got a similar story. Yeah. And isn't it funny? One of the most, uh, one of the most liberating things we can do as humans, I think is just admit that we don't know everything and that we're going to be wrong more than we're right. And once you, <laughs> once you understand that, wow, you start to really learn a whole lot more. Cause I mean, again, bias will keep you from learning what you need to learn. Now here's the thing. I think going back to the structure and to give people listening, something to take away from this. I do think what we need to talk about is we need to talk about the idea of like, okay, I get it, Cody. I get it, Jade. It's not cut and dry. We can't necessarily say this food is good and this food is bad. It is really about me figuring that out. So how do I begin to do that? And to me, there are some general rules. I even call them laws, the laws of metabolism that you can follow that will probably change. So they're not complete. And we have to be careful about calling them laws. I, but I think if you stick to these things, you will begin to understand what to do. First thing to understand about the metabolism is it's changeable. So I call this the law of metabolic flexibility, right? And the law of metabolic flexibility says that whatever you do, even if it's working, it's not going to work for long. And probably the best thing to do is to use an intermittent approach. So we've all heard things like in, you know, interval training, that's an intermittent approach applied to, you know, cardiovascular exercise. We've heard about, uh, you know, sort of intermittent fasting, that's a interval or an intermittent type approach to food eating frequency or timing of food. Well, we also need to be thinking about intermittent feast and famine. That's what the metabolism is sort of built on. So there need to be times where we're forcing our metabolism to fuel us. And there's other times where we need to understand that we have to fuel our metabolism and the metabolism likes this even if you're just doing it during the day for 12 hours i'm going to eat and i'm going to fuel my body and then 12 hours while i sleep i'm going to let my body fuel itself well you can also think of this in terms of days maybe one day you eat a little less and another day you eat a little more actually eating a little less would be beneficial to do on days where you're not doing a whole lot so maybe when you're traveling or not working out of course Eating a little bit more, Cody was talking about CrossFit, maybe on those days, you're going to increase your calories. Or maybe you're going to take a two-week on, two-week off approach. Or maybe you're going to take 12 weeks in, you know, sort of deficit and, you know, really forcing your metabolism to feed you. And then maybe you take a little bit of a break. But that's the first law you need to understand because the metabolism, if you don't do things that way, you may, anyone in my mind can lose weight for a time. That part's easy. The hard part is, can you keep it off? And we now know that this intermittent approach is probably the best way to keep it off. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite studies to talk about, and actually I'm back in North Carolina, and all of you might be interested in this if you want to kind of try this. I'm probably going to do an event where I do this. But me and um, four of my friends are, are going up to the North Carolina mountains. There was a study out of Scan, at the, the journal, uh, I think it's the Scandinavian Journal, whatever it is, Scandinavian Journal of medicine and metabolism or whatever, I forget the name of the journal, but the study basically went like this. They took a group of men, they put them on a 300 calorie per day diet. That's three zero zero, 300 oh, wow. calorie per day diet. 
One group got sugar water, basically, electrolyte beverage, like Gatorade. And the other group got the same electrolyte beverage, but with protein instead of the, you know, like a whey protein, very dilute whey protein powder. And essentially, they ate these 300 calories in three meals, right? So you can imagine it's like 100 calories in the morning, 100 calories for lunch, 100 calories for dinner. And then they could have a very, as much as they wanted of this very, very light uh, electrolyte beverage that didn't have many calories at all. And then they walked eight hours a day, eight hours on 300 calories, hiking around the, the countryside. This lasted for four days. So what they found is that there was about a 5,000 calorie deficit per day, because you can imagine they're walking eight hours, they're burning a huge amount of calories, plus their basal metabolic rate, and only feeding 300 calories. Now, what happened after four days is they lost a significant amount of weight. They lost 11 pounds and five pounds of fat. The rest was water and some lean mass over a long weekend. What was amazing about this is that they went back to eating normally and living normally after that. They didn't go back to burgers and pizza. They just went back to their regular diet. And what they found is that for another week, they continued to actually lose weight. And then, of course, they started gaining some back, but by a year later, after this intervention, they were still down from that intervention. This is more in line with the kind of thing the metabolism likes to do. Very short, intense sort of uh, deficits, followed by you know, uh, a long period of maintenance and or a back and forth, two weeks on, two weeks off, or one month on or one month off type of approach. This made a huge difference. And so I'm actually getting ready to do this same study in the North Carolina mountains with my friends uh, over the next four days, actually starting on uh, Sunday or, or Monday rather. And this is the law of metabolic flexibility. It's sort of like saying, hey, you are going to now have to feed me. I'm going to force you to feed me and help me sort of maintain. And by the way, Cody, doesn't it, this, this is funny, right? Because this is very much like probably what our ancestors had to go through at times. So you were speaking of the paleo diet. I think yeah. this is an overplayed analogy, but it is useful to think about our metabolism did evolve in that world. And so there is some truth to the idea that if we expose it to some of those conditions, we may be able to get some benefit from it. So I'm going to stop there and see what you have to say. And then if you want, we can talk about a couple of the other laws of metabolism. Yeah, I feel like those, I feel like that parallels a little bit what I see when I get clients that have like been under eating for, you know, obviously not for a couple of days, but clients that have been um, going through like a binge restrict cycle, but mostly restricted. And then you start to walk them through a reverse diet period and you see them start to lose weight and lean out and get this body recomp. Do you think that those two parallel each other as far as what the metabolism likes to do? Or do you just think that that's a, a, a weird correlation that happens? No, you know, man, and this is where the art comes in, right? So I, I actually see what you see oftentimes. And what I think that is, is I think if, if you understand, if you get into like some of the science of autophagy and some of that stuff, for those who don't know, autophagy is sort of the, the sort of cellular mechanism. There's not a lot of study in humans, but we know from animals that when you deplete nutrients or even fast, what happens is your body will break down and recycle some of its parts. One of the major things it does is it starts to have some interesting effects on mitochondria. They break down mitochondria in something called mitophagy. And that also then stimulates, at the same token, mitochondrial biogenesis. 
And so there seems to be, Cody, based on what you were saying, mm -hmm. there seems to be in the science and there seems to be in my personal experience that something about being catabolic for a time makes you anabolic for a time. In other words, the body likes to do this back and forth. So you can imagine that if you're catabolic for a period of time and then you give yourself back some energy and some exercise, the body will preferentially, in that case, gain muscle maybe instead of fat. And so you all of a sudden, you're going to gain some fat, by the way, but the, the body then goes, okay, I burned up some fat and a little bit of muscle during this sort of catabolic phase where I was forced to feed myself. And now there's all these mechanisms in place, higher growth hormone, higher stress hormones, a little bit more insulin coming in, which then pushes down your stress hormones, a little bit more calories, a little bit more strain and stress on the muscles. And all of a sudden the body goes, oh, we better put on some muscle and maybe even divert more of this extra nutrition to that versus fat. And so it's not something that's been proven yet in my mind in the research, but the mechanisms the cellular mechanisms are there that we can make sense out of it. And I've also seen it in the art of this clinical experience. I've seen it happen with myself often and with plenty of clients often. So yes, I would agree with you. I don't know that we're going to know what that is anytime soon or how it works, but I think we can speculate and people like you and me are already using it. Now, of course, to me, science is a tool that should refine your approach not define your approach and so oftentimes very good coaches like you Cody will do things that uh, help and work in the moment and then science will teach us how it's working and or how we can do it even better and I think that's exactly what's happening there awesome I love it you know with those people too I, I gotta I mean I guess I got a follow-up question with that too um, I get this a lot with clients that are in that kind of you know, going through that catabolic, that catabolic anabolic phase, and then they come to me and they have been under eating, but doing periods of binging, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they, and most of them find that they're not hungry at all. And I, you know, I'm always like, hang in there. It'll come back. Um, so two part question. Number one, how long do you typically see somebody when you're walking them through this phase of, you know, getting more, getting intake levels up to, uh, help kind of jiggle the, I've heard you say like jiggle the metabolism a little bit. Like yeah. how long do you, does you, does it typically take for a person to really start to feel, um, I guess that hunger or craving return. And then, uh, I guess I'll just leave it at that question for now. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny, right? Cause I break this down into, into several different sort of stages and what you're talking about here, there's sort of like the, what I call the metabolic compensation phase, which everyone goes through. And this is just simply, Hey, you've been on a diet for a while and all of a sudden you start getting hangry and irritable and, you know, um, <laughs> cravings and all that kind of stuff. And, and you mm -hmm. want to kind of eat. And oftentimes people will break their diet at that point. But for many people that you and I work with, they have the willpower to get past that, right? So they just go, yeah, so what? You know, but I can, I have the willpower and I can, you know, ignore my hunger and cravings. Then they get into this place of what I call metabolic resistance, where they've been under eating for a very long period of time. And they've also kind of uh, willpowered their biofeedback sensations away. And what their body does is essentially puts a governor on the metabolism. And it will essentially say, okay, well, you're going to do that. You're, you used to burn, let's say, 2,000 calories daily as your resting energy expenditure. Now you're going to be burning 20, uh, you know, 1,800 calories. I'm putting a governor on you. So you go, okay, I'm not getting the results. I'll decrease calories even more. It, even, it puts a governor on you again. Before you know it, you're sort of at 1,500, 1,200 sort of calories. And if you try to eat more, you get fat. 
And if you try to eat less, it's just too, too, too little food intake. So I think this is what Cody's talking about. At this point, what you have to do is you kind of move them back and forth between sort of an eat less, exercise less approach, lots of walking, decreased calories, but to a more eat more, exercise more approach. And you kind of jump back and forth between these. I like to do every two weeks, one to two weeks to switch this. And that will take me typically to get people back on track. You're talking about anywhere from one month, which would be very early to three to four months um, before that metabolism starts um, sort of responding again. And by the way, one of the big reasons this too happens is because, um, you know, it can happen also with people who do this binging type of thing. Once they binge, they'll be like, oh, I'm going to eat extra now because I had, you know, so many days uh, in deficit. That's the big problem with a lot of people. You don't really want to do that. What you want to do is come back up to normal eating, not extra normal eating. And most people sort of uh, get that whole thing wrong. But that's typically about how long uh, it takes me to, you know, sort of get that. By the way, once you add sort of the, the hunger is not going to come back when you're in the eat less, exercise less phase. The hunger comes back when you're in the eat more, exercise more phase. And it's not actually the eating more that does it. It's more the exercise that does it. Um, once you start kind of pushing again and that you increase that energy flux through your system, the body goes, okay, yeah, I need some fuel. And that hunger will sort of come back online. And so it happens faster. I said, I usually start people in an eat less, exercise less place. I just like that because it tends to take stress off the system. But usually it happens much faster if you move them right into an eat more, exercise more approach. And by the way, if, you don't, if you're listening and you're like, what does he mean by eat less, exercise less and eat more, exercise more? Just think about an athlete. They don't cut calories. They eat plenty and they exercise a lot. That would be an eat, an eat more, exercise more approach. And for the eat less, exercise less approach, just think about a, a, a hunter-gatherer who hasn't found food in a long time. They're walking around a lot looking for food, but they're not getting much of it. And that'll give you an idea of what we're talking about. You know, something, you know, along the, you, you've, you've hit on the, your, your four toggles that you always talk about. Um, those were something that made complete sense out of, I guess, what I did intuitively as a coach with people. Um, but you, you came and, you know, you talked a lot about this in, in, the, in the beginning of the podcast about how we like to put, you know, words on certain functions and stuff like that. But you came along and you gave these words to things that were happening inside of my coaching practice. Yeah. Um, but something else you, you talk a lot about, too outside of like your, your, your toggle switches, your eat more, exercise more, eat less, exercise less. Um, you also talk, you, you classify biofeedback differently than I've never heard anybody speak about. Um, could you speak a little bit on that? You use these two different terms, uh, heck and schmeck, I believe. Can you talk yeah. on those a little bit? Yeah. Well, you know, so as, as you guys heard Cody and I talking, we're talking about this idea that, Hey, you got to figure out how your metabolism works. You got to become a metabolic detective and stop being a dieter. Well, how do you do that? Well, a detective, is looking for clues, looking for signs and feedback so that they can solve the riddle, right? Well, your body is sending out feedback sensations all the time. So I use a silly little acronym, HEC, H-E-C, and SHMEC, S-H-M-E-C. And by the way, I use these because what I've learned is that <laughs> when you can come up with little acronyms, especially things that rhyme, people will remember them and they give more credibility to them. Actually, there's a research study saying that if you give people two facts, one you make rhyme and the other one you just deliver the fact, they will uh, make, they will think that the rhyming fact actually is more accurate. 
because our <laughs> brain just works like that, which is weird. So I oftentimes say hunger, energy, and cravings, H-E-C or heck, keep your heck in check or S-H-M-E-C, sleep, hunger, mood, energy, and cravings, schmeck, keep your schmeck in check. These are, in my mind, biofeedback sensations. These are hormonal sensations in the body. They're impacted by hormones like leptin and ghrelin and cortisol and insulin and GLP and GIP and neuropeptide Y and PYY and CCK and all of these hormones that determine hunger and cravings and things like that. These are hormonal feedback sensations. So if you pay attention to them, you have an idea of how balanced your hormonal metabolism is. And to lose fat and have it last, to me, you need two things. You need a calorie deficit, absolutely, but you need a calorie deficit in, in a way that is not stressing out the metabolism. Whenever the metabolism is stressed out, heck and schmeck will go out of check. Now, I think what Cody's talking about is heck and schmeck are just a euphemism or a catch-all phrase for all biofeedback in the body. So yes, sleep, hunger, mood, energy, cravings, yes, but also exercise performance and exercise recovery and digestion and mood. And most importantly for women, libido and menses. For women, those two are the most critical because the female metabolism, unlike the male metabolism, is registering stress to assess whether or not it is safe and appropriate to have a baby. So of course, libido and menses are gonna be a huge sort of, uh, you know, way for women to track that. Of course, men, it's libido and erections. Um, they can begin to lose their erections and their libido can go into the tank when they diet too much. And by the way, it happens on either end of the extreme, right? If you get too fat, the body goes, yeah, you're not fit to reproduce. But if you get too lean, the body goes, yeah, you're not fit to reproduce. That's why you can have all these, you know, I, I don't mean to poke fun of this, but that's why you can have these these ripped dudes who are like 5% body fat with abs and biceps and they can't get an erection and have no interest in sex whatsoever because they're too lean, right? And so these are the biofeedback sensations. There's others too, but those are the big ones. The others would be if you're dealing with, if you're someone who has signs and symptoms of disease, maybe you get joint pain, maybe you get headaches, maybe you get you know, skin rashes. These things also provide feedback into what is working and what isn't. And so from my perspective, with clients, I'm always teaching them, is your heck and schmeck in check? Always get that in check first, then you can push on the metabolism a little bit more. Never try to decrease calories when heck and schmeck are already out of check because that's the issue with decreasing calories indiscriminately anyway. Oftentimes they will make the metabolism more unbalanced and you're setting yourself up for failure. I call this the metabolic credit card effect. It's the idea that, oh, I'm gonna push on the metabolism as fast and hard as possible and get quick results thinking that there's not gonna be penalties to pay later. There will be. And this is why we see over and over again, right, Cody? I mean, how many times have you seen this where you see someone do one of these fitness competitions or something like that or do a marathon training program and cut their calories down and do this thing and they're looking great and they feel like they're great and then they come off and you see them two weeks after their show ends or after the marathon and they literally look like someone stuck a pump in them and blew them up like a helium balloon because they're so bloated and soggy and holding all this water and then they go on these eating binges forever and ever, right? And, and they're just like, my metabolism was never the same after that. This is where these biofeedback sensations are hugely important. So all of us listening right now, everyone having this discussion with Cody and I, we need to also go, 
yeah, let's make sure we are attending to the metabolism. How do we do that? Well, first we got to listen to it. Let's help it be balanced and stable. Then we can push on it and work with it. Love it. You know, you're, it sounds a lot like too, I've heard you say something before about uh, using the metabolism or the metabolism is more of like a stress barometer than anything. Um, mm -hmm. Is heck and schmeck something that you use a lot inside of that conversation as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to me, we, you know, we have this, um, this analogy, uh, metabolism is calculator. Well, it is, but it's an incomplete model. Then, then we came along and we said, well, metabolism as chemistry set. Well, it is, but it's an incomplete model. It's both, right? But, but the metabolism also has this feedback system. It, it measures what's going on in the outside world through light, through the eyes, taste, temperature, all these things. Then it has to translate that information to the cells inside the body. This is essentially what the metabolism is doing constantly. And when you, then, then the cells in the body send out their own signals and adjust the metabolism. So what is this like? This is a lot like a thermostat or a barometer, right? So the degree of stress from the outside world is uh, the degree to which the inside metabolism starts to recalibrate. That is basically the definition of a barometer. So to me, I go, the metabolism is a stress barometer. And that changes things a little bit because now we start going, okay, well, if the metabolism is a stress barometer and we know that a barometer is measuring pressure, and we know that if that pressure builds, builds up too much, that whole thing is going to you know, essentially break or explode. We also start to understand that stress of all types, all types of stress, undereating and overexercising, or the reverse of that, overeating and underexercising, are both a stress to the metabolism, right? Emotional stress, sure, yes. Sleep deprivation, yes. You know, some, you know, all of these things can be stresses to the metabolism. And now you have a way to read that stress barometer through Schmeck. Schmeck is literally telling you about the pressure you are putting on that system, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I, I can't, I can't even, and if you're listening to this show and, and one, you don't have a notepad out right now, you're really missing out. Um, but I can't tell you how many times, time and time again, I'll have a client that's just like overly stressed. That's got all these, you know, work things, life things going on. They're under sleep or they're not sleeping enough. They're not eating enough. And then, you know, I start to get their intake level up and then I tell them to work out a little less. And in my mind, that means the stress barometer is going down. And all of a sudden, especially if they're a fat loss client, their body weight starts to move, their body composition starts to change. And it's always hard to grasp for somebody because I mean, how, how, how much are we taught in society nowadays that if like, you know, if you want something, you got to do more of, of whatever it is. So it's always more, 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 more. We just keep pouring the stress on, keep pouring the stress on, but we do nothing to de-stress. And then all of a sudden, when you have a person that comes along and you know, they're, stress barometer per se is like about as full as it could possibly be. And then you start to decrease that a little bit through, you know, whatever, you know, de-stressing practices that work for people. For some it's affirmations, for some it's journaling. Uh, for me, it's, you know, a little, a combination of all of those things, meditation, walking, you know, like uh, spending time with family. For me, that's how I de-stress and, and I use this with my clients. And then they're like, you know, this, this foo-foo stuff, what is that going to do for me? And I'm like, well, it's going to de-stress you. And then they get de-stressed and they're like, oh, wow, you're totally right my body's starting to change just like you said it would. Um, and in my mind, it's like, hey, we're decreasing that stress barometer. Yeah, and isn't it funny too, Cody, because you're absolutely right. Sometimes distinctions, distinctions really do matter, right? When we, when we define um, definitions and distinctions matter, if we define the metabolism as a calculator, that's all we think about, right? So we just go, there's nothing else to it. However, if we de define the metabolism as a stress barometer, we realize there's this kind of feedback system. And then we start going, 
oh, well, what if it's a stress barometer and I take the stress, the pressure off the system, things should move in the, the right direction. And they often do. However, I will give one caveat here and um, see what Cody has to say about this too. But here's what oftentimes happens with my clients. You do this with someone and oftentimes, especially the very lean people or the very stuck individuals who have been pushing on their metabolism very hard for a very long period of time. Oftentimes in the beginning, their weight will go up in the short run. And that to me, I have learned to go ahead and warn people about because it is one of the best signs in my mind of a healthy metabolism. It should not go up a ton, by the way. It should only go up a little, a few pounds or so. And it's usually just water. And then all of a sudden the weight starts coming down. I've seen this over and over and over again. And in fact, I'll give you guys a little clinical pearl. If the weight jumps up too much, right? That is an indication that they're having either some food sensitivity issues, they are having some severe insulin resistant issues because they'll gain a significant amount of water really quickly and or they've got some hypothyroid related issues that are starting to kick in. But the normal response after you remove stress from the barometer from someone who's been stuck for a long period of time is a tick of one to two pounds up briefly and then within the week, that come that water gets shed off so long as they don't go on any of these binges and stuff like that just go back to normal eating and start adding in some of these you know rest and recovery activities into the mix and then they start to see this uh you know sort of trend downwards and actually the eat less exercise less approach sort of the walking approach with very little calories tends to be my favorite approach because what people think they people tend to want to think that exercise is going to help them take the fat off it won't exercise increases the metabolism yes but oftentimes when you do that you do two things that you're not counting on doing one is you also increase hunger so you don't want a fast metabolism you want a flexible metabolism you don't want to try to speed the metabolism up because you'll oftentimes speed up hunger when you do that as well and also when you try to speed up the metabolism and you're in this sort of uh, stressed out state already the metabolism will put it's called a constrained metabolism in the research and it will literally put a governor on your metabolic rate and so the eat less exercise less approach is a non-exercise approach but a walking approach walking is very different relaxing walking so you can walk almost as much as you want you also don't typically get the same level of hunger elevation because you're not exercising like crazy and the metabolism takes this governor off a little bit, right? And this is, the, this is what you want to have happen. And so typically I like to, unless I have someone who just is absolutely mentally addicted to exercise, I almost always start with an eat less, exercise less approach in something I really call metabolic rehab or prehab. In other words, it's metabolic rehab if they've already been damaging their metabolism. But I also do it on the front end with someone in what I call metabolic prehab. So let's say we got somebody who is just starting out on this process. Well, I want to make sure that their metabolism is not overstressed from all the eating and non-exercising they've been doing. And so I put them through metabolic prehab. I don't try to make them a paleo-fitting crossfit person like right away. (laughs) I don't take them from the couch to the marathon. I, I basically get them up moving and sort of uh, lowering their, their energy intake and moving them to this more gatherer type of lifestyle where they're walking a lot. And that actually starts to condition their mitochondria, 
their, their muscles become more insulin sensitive. Their mitochondria can get the cobwebs out. Their mood lifts a little bit. They feel like their joints aren't getting the, the, you know, the crap beat out of them, right? And they can begin. And I also do some other things with this prehab, like some gut restoration stuff and some mitochondrial nutrients like alpha lipoic acid and acetyl L-carnitine and things like that. And it tends to work very well. And so if you're someone who's stuck, you know, you want to think of this EL, EL, or this eat less, exercise less. It's a metabolic uh, rehab. But if you're someone who's just getting started after a long layoff or an injury, I would suggest using it as a metabolic prehab. And this will keep you from sort of overstressing your system and help you be more functional and fit in the process, if that makes sense. Totally. I 100% agree with all that stuff. And I, and I love your, your approach to it, too, because... Um, I think the the entire spectrum of of, of people trying to, um, you know what I mean? I, I feel like people attach themselves to one philosophy instead of just doing and listening to people and paying attention to all the variables. And then, um, man, I love it. Jay, I could sit here and talk to you for like three hours. Um, <laughs> Same here, brother. I, love I literally it. I have all these questions that I wanted to go over and <laughs> we didn't even touch on them, but um Anyways, man, I want to respect your time and I want to be able to get you out of here in a timely manner. Uh, I have one personality question uh, cool. and something that uh, I, I live and die off of quotes and, uh, and advice that I get from mentors and people that I respect a lot. Um, what would you say is your, your biggest piece of advice or, or one quote that you love or have received uh, in your time? Yeah, I have two that, that, are, that really hit me hard. Um, one is... is uh, something that I, I call easy is earned and easy is earned is my way of reminding myself that nothing in life is easy. I don't know why we expect it to be, but with time and practice, you earn your easy. This is why, it, and I would say this is important for this discussion because Cody and I know this stuff because we've earned our easy. We've weighed and measured. We've, we've, uh, trained and we've written programs and we've tried this and we've tried that. We've done keto and I've done paleo and I've done vegetarian. I've tried all these things. And in time, I arrived at something that works for me. So yes, now it's easy and now it rolls off the tongue, but it wasn't easy for a long time. I had to earn that. So that, that to me is uh, the big, big quote that I oftentimes use. Easy is earned. Now the other one is one that is really going to challenge people, but I do want to share it with everyone because I actually think that this doesn't have anything to do with anything other than how life really works. And that is this idea, this quote of everything happens for a reason. I absolutely hate that quote. And the reason why is because I think it takes it out of your hands. And this isn't a commentary on religion or anything like that. My whole thing is this, that in life, whether you're trying to change your body or whether you're trying to get out of a bad relationship or whether you're trying to pick yourself up after falling down, after reaching rock bottom. To me, you have to have a different approach. The approach I like is things happen and you make a reason. You have to choose. Sitting around waiting to figure out for the reason to drop on you is not how life works. You have to choose. And I'll tell you a brief story and then we can kind of wrap this up, Cody. But I, I'm a child of the 80s. I oftentimes tell this story. And when I grew up, I'd sit there eating my cereal and I'd be looking at this milk carton that had pictures of missing kids on it. And this came out of this woman or man, I can't remember who it was, a, a father or a mother, probably both, who lost their kid. He got kidnapped, raped and murdered. And they were just beside themselves. Worst thing that any can happen to someone in the world, right? 
Well, what they did is they decided that 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 didn't happen for a reason. They decided and chose to make it reason to to make their son's memory mean something. So they took it upon themselves. And now after running a business and understanding what this is about, think about what it would take to get missing children put on every milk carton across America. They had to go to the legislatures in all the states, to Congress, they had to do to the milk lobby, to, to the individual farmers to make this happen. And they ended up saving thousands and thousands and thousands of kids in the process. So they did, it wasn't everything happened for a reason. It was things happened and they made a reason. So if you're sitting here listening to Cody and, and me right now, and trust me, one thing I know about you all listening, you know about me and we know about Cody is each and every one of us is deeply wounded, deeply hurt. We have suffered, we have lost, we have been in pain. We've had all kinds of things happen to us in life. You don't escape life without that. Then from there you go, what am I gonna do about it? Right? What am I gonna choose to do? What am I gonna make this mean? How am I gonna use this for personal growth and to make a difference for, my, for team human? To me, that's why we're here in the first place. And so those are my two quotes that I love and I'll leave you with. Well, if you guys are listening right now and you're not fired up and you're not, you know, your brain isn't set on fire and you're ready to run through a wall, I don't know what to tell you because that's how I feel right now. <laughs> uh, Jay, thanks so much for your time today. Let's go ahead and plug you and, and, and get people to be able to come and find more from you. I'm sure people are going to want so much more information and I'm probably going to get hate emails about me not getting through all my questions. But uh well, we, let's do it you, again, man. brother. We'll definitely do it again. But uh, th those of you who want to connect with me at Jade Tita on Instagram, DM me there. I can't promise I can get to everyone, but I really do do my best to try to answer all, all the DMs. So DM me there at Jade Tita. Follow me there. And I have a website, jadetita.com. And Cody, thank you for your work, brother. And um, thanks for having me on. I appreciate your time today, man. Thanks so much. All right, bro. Have a good one. And that's a wrap for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening to the show today. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate every minute that you spent with me. If you're new to the show, make, make sure to hit the subscribe button and to give us a rating and review on iTunes. This is how we grow this podcast and we continue to create amazing, impactful content for you. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram where I post daily motivational content and free training and nutritional information. And lastly, if you've been listening to this for a while and you're thinking about working with me and my team, email me at cody at crossfit7cities.com. Hope you have a great day and I'll see you next episode.